This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. This is the Bartender Journey Podcast number 288. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, there's a hole in the bartending community. Gary Gaz Regan passed away on November 15th, 2019. He was an inspiration and mentor to a huge portion of the bartender community. His book, The Joy of Mixology, in 2003 was groundbreaking. In that book, he encouraged bartenders to measure, to consider the glassware carefully, to chill the glassware, when to shake, when to stir, goes on and on. These are things that weren't talked about much back then, but help lay the groundwork for where we are now. Then important information about being a bartender, not just making drinks. There's a section here, how to deal with unwanted invitations, how to deal with unwanted advances, things to do during slow periods, things not to do during slow periods, how to arrange your liquor bottles, how to make sure that new customers come back. And it goes on and on. I have to read this book again, cover to cover. It's been a while. And uh, I need to pick up the updated version when we'll have a link to that uh, on the website at bartenderjourney.net. While one of Gaz's books was called The Joy of Mixology, he didn't particularly like that term mixologist. I'm the same way. A lot of times, members of the club where I work, the well, they'll come up and introduce me to their guests and say, meet Brian, our mixologist. I always say, that word makes me blush. I'm a bartender first. But Gaz did recognize that there are varying degrees of bartenders. He coined the phrase, the cotillion bartender, which makes sense to me. Gaz did two-day workshops called Cocktails in the Country, where he taught what was called what he called mindful bartending. I was lucky enough to attend twice. He did several seminars uh, over the two days and guided meditations and uh, other things. It was just a, it was such a great experience. One seminar was about the proper way to write a cocktail recipe, which was very helpful. One of the takeaways from that was to always write out the full name of the spirit you are, you are using. For for instance, Jack Daniel's Old Number Seven. I was writing cocktail recipes uh, just a few hours after I learned of Gary's death, and uh, I was thinking about him. After Gaz's talk, we'd uh, all pick out of a hat the name of a spirit, which we would all take terms creating an original cocktail with. We'd have time to play an experiment, which was always a lot of fun because it's a small bar and we'd be mostly all about, or 10 of us, or, well, I guess we'd split it up a little bit. Maybe let's say five or behind that bar at a time and uh, get a little, it was fun. <laughs> and then after that, we'd take turns two at a time, making drinks for everyone, tasting and learning from each other. Just great, great experience. Gary would tell a few dirty jokes along the way and make us all his famous finger-stirred Negroni. He'd tell us, tonight you will all go out together to the local watering hole around the corner and drink Bud Lights and play pool and darts and have a great time, which of course we did. Painter's Tavern, where this was held, uh, where the seminar was held, has rooms upstairs, so at some point I guess we would all go to sleep. <laughs> at about 8 a.m. he would start blasting the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan to wake us all up. Gaz was such a kind and generous person. I learned so much from him. One lesson was, be nice to everyone, including, of course, all of your coworkers. Say hello to the dishwasher and ask how he's doing. Be the life of the party. Be the host, not just with your guests, but in the back of the house as well. Gaz called me on a video call about a week after my wife passed away, a little, that was a little less than two years ago. He offered to have me come back for my second cocktails in the country at no charge. It meant so much to me, and um, he just... It really meant a lot to me. I had the opportunity to interview him on mic one time. Here it is. 
All right. Well, we're here at Cocktails in the Country with the fabulous Gaz, Gary Regan. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy this so much. Uh, thanks for coming, Brian, and thanks for uh, all of your support. Thank you. Much appreciated. This is great what you do here, the uh, Cocktails in the Country, just uh, nine or ten of us here uh, learning from you and, and from each other, right? Is that That's sort of the yeah, idea, right? That's exactly the idea, um, because I teach about mindful bartending, uh, but when it comes to mixology, 21st century bartenders, I'm better off letting them teach each other than me trying to teach them 1970s bartending. It's, we've come quite a long way in a relatively short period of time, right? Uh, a massive way, in a way that I would never have dreamed. And it's fabulous to watch. Um, and I think it's very important not to lose sight of the fact that service is the real name of the game. And we have to keep going back to that. Uh, pushing the envelope for mixology is something we have to do as well. Um, but service is something that must not be forgotten. That's really what we've been seeing in the last maybe two or three years is, uh, you know, we're, we're you can get a good drink, you know, most anywhere now, but now it's so, the hospitality is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And fact is, anybody can make a decent martini or a Manhattan, can teach you in five minutes how to make that. But learning how to deal with your co-workers and with uh, your guests is a skill that has to be uh, learned to some extent. Yeah, it takes a little, um, well, it takes a little mindfulness, as you would say. That's exactly what it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love, uh, well, everything you said yesterday, but what, one thing was um, you said come in and say, you know, come in a little early and, and maybe ask your manager how you're doing. Ask the, ask the cooks how you're doing. Ask the dishwasher how are you doing. And, and I, I, I wrote down in my book, like, act as the host not only to your guests but to your coworkers. Be the host of the party to everybody. Oh, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, to be part of the team at work and to make everybody aware that you are aware of their presence and of their jobs and make sure they know that you care about them as well as their guests and this helps build a cohesive team who supports one another uh, from the dishwasher right on up to the general manager and to the owner. We are all one with one aim. And that aim is to give, give good service, and if we do it together, we can do it far better. Yeah, it's, it's, it's somehow in a, in a restaurant or bar environment, somehow it's very easy for there to be sort of competitive and bad feelings among the staff. And I don't know why that is, but it's, it's best to be the guy who tries to defeat that yeah yeah well it's all to do with ego isn't it you know and as bartenders we all have pretty big egos uh, and you know in the course of our jobs there's nothing wrong with that you like being the center of attention you like being behind the bar you like being the the person who everybody goes to and there's nothing wrong with that at all um uh, but you've got to make that human contact with your guests and your co-workers. Right, right. You know, it's funny, we, during dinner last night, we were talking about um, social anxiety, and it came up, several of the people were talking about it, like, I, you know, I, I've had this problem my whole life being social, uh, social anxiety, but when I'm behind the bar and we have that barrier between us, is something about that it brings out 
uh, a different side of me. Yeah, absolutely true. I, I always think when you, the second you set foot behind that bar, power comes to you. You have that power. That three feet of mahogany in front of you gives you power. And uh, it's important to keep that power because you have to be a benevolent dictator behind the bar. Um, but it's also important to recognize um, the value of everybody you come in touch with. And going right back down to that dishwasher, you know, dishwashers are invisible people. Nobody speaks to dishwashers. And can you imagine going through a whole shift at work, washing dishes, and nobody even says hi? You know, that really... So you make friends with the dishwasher, man. you got a friend for life. My dishwasher gets whatever he wants. <laughs> great, great. Good on you. Yeah. He's a good guy. But um, so, uh, well, let's talk about uh, mixology a little bit. Like, where do, where do you see this all going in the next, you know, couple of years? Or uh, I have no idea where it's going. Um, and I believe it will keep on progressing. What's happened in the mixology section sector is that because bartenders became a lot more creative in the past 10 years, that has created an opening for artists to become bartenders and have that be part of their craft. And that builds. So the more artists we get behind the bar, the further they push the envelope. Now, not every new fancy drink is good. It's not even okay. There are a lot of them that are really crap. But that doesn't matter. This is, you know, because the ones that work really work well. And it's important that bartenders keep pushing that envelope, and I believe they will. This is part of the game now, and I really applaud that. Yeah. But it's interesting. Here we are just about an hour north of Manhattan, and so after our session yesterday, we went around the corner to the local bar, and I, you know, I had the feeling if I asked for a Negroni, she wouldn't have known what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether she would or she wouldn't. Uh, but, you know, you all went to our local neighborhood joint yeah. with pool tables and dartboards. And that's what that bar's about, you know? Not everybody, you know, I, I often find myself in a fancy craft cocktail bar and I find myself nipping out to the Irish bar on the corner for a pint of Guinness because those places are very valuable and dear to my heart, too. Yeah. I love a good dive bar, man. Oh, absolutely. Dale DeGroff once told me that, you know, the neighborhood bar has such a place, especially in Manhattan, it's like an extended living room, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And it's a gathering place. And the bar is an equalizer. The bar is where the office clerk, office clerk um, gets to talk to the CEO on equal footing. This is the third place. It's not work, it's not home. This is the community getting together. And neighborhood bars provide that for us. I spent a little time in England, and, and the, the pub was so important to the neighborhood. And you went to a specific pub, and you you know you might tell your friends, meet me at the pub. You didn't have to name it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember being in England um, 
uh, years ago, I was there on an extended visit for a few months. I wanted a car. I, wanted, I didn't have much money, so I was looking for an old banger that I could kick around for a few months. Where did I go? Did I buy a newspaper? Did I look at the ads in the... No, no, I just went to the pub <laughs> and asked around. And I had a car the very next day. And it was the landlady of the pub who said... Oh, we have a second car. We rarely use it. Take that for three months. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and that's pub culture in the UK. <laughs> well, you see it here, too. Like, you know, I, I recently went to our sort of local bar uh, where I live, and uh, there was a business across the street that had closed suddenly. Like, all of a, they were there one day, gone the next, you know, and I asked the bartender, what happened with that place? You know, of course she knew the, of course she knew the answer, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. So, well, thank you again. Would you sign my book? I have your Negroni book. Your Negroni book right here. And a uh, fabulous book. I do. Would you like a pen or a Sharpie? Uh, I don't care. You're cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for talking to me, and thanks for putting this on. Thank you, Brian. Take care, man. Cheers. The story of the finger-stirred Negroni goes something like this. Gary was bartending at a fancy, stuffy event. He said it looked like no one was having a good time. It was a restaurant industry event, I believe, so of course everyone there knows you shouldn't be sticking your fingers in people's drinks. He started stirring Negronis with his finger just to bust chops to be fun and silly, and that was it. It became his thing. I was at a scotch tasting this week run by the amazing Paul Packle, who, by the way, did a radio show with Gaz years and years ago about, about bartending. Um, the tasting was Highland Park Single Malt Scotch, which is fabulous stuff. If you ever get a chance, uh, definitely give that a try. We tasted about 12 different, different expressions. But anyway, the point is, at the end, they brought us out a cocktail, which contained Gary Regan's orange bitters. The lady next to me silently stuck her finger in her drink and started stirring it. I said... Well done. Here's to you, Gary. <laughs>